0: Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal!
1: Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again.
0: The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are My friends and colleagues, Anthony Debundo and BJ Cunningham. And this week we have four Champions League matches, a handful of Premier League matches, and we'll touch on some Europa League to get you all situated uh, for for betting on the footy before March Madness begins on Thursday. So let's, uh, let's build your bankroll here and we'll start with Manchester United hosting Atletico Madrid united's plus 120 at home at coming in at plus 265 the draw is plus 220 these two are tied 1-1 on aggregate heading to the theater of dreams uh, i think we can all agree it was pretty lucky result for united uh, in the first leg and they have struggled a little bit with uh when they've been punching up they uh, have a minus 3.4 expected goal differential in their matches against atletico tottenham and man city there was a, a a good performance against Watford that uh, didn't end with the result that they wanted and mixed in there, but it seems like United under Ralph Ragnick is doing what they did under Solskjaer, which is they are taking care of business against uh, inferior um, opposition. And then they are struggling and, and maybe getting uh, lucky results against better teams. Meanwhile, Atleti come into this one in good uh, defensive form. They've only allowed 4.7 expected goals against in their last six matches. Uh, and Diego Simeone, we talk about it, in every champions league episode that this team is just really, really tough to deal with in knockout stages of competition. So I like Atletico across the board. I like plus 265 on the 90-minute money line. And I like them to advance. Right now, United's minus 172 and Atleti's plus 140. So I'm going to take a shot at Leti to advance and uh, you know, I'll split my stake on the three-way money line. BJ, you are always on Atleti in these situations, it seems, with me. Are you coming with me on Tuesday?
0: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is I mean, you, you hit it nail on the head. That was such a lucky win for United in the first leg. Atletico won on expected goals, 1.3 to 0.4. Out touched them in the penalty year, 21 to 9. And I thought he even hit the post twice. So it was just a completely dominant performance. Even if you look at, I think in the first half, United had one shot and 0.04 expected goals. So Atletico really should have gotten all three points. Now they get to go to Old Trafford, where I think we've been saying it quite a bit on this podcast, or at least I have that this United team has not really changed a whole lot from Olga and Solskjaer to Rangnick. The three matches that they've played, you that they only had right there, the three matches they've played against elite competition against Atletico, Man City, and Tottenham, they've only created a total of 1.9 expected goals, but they've scored four times in those matches. A lot of it obviously was against Tottenham and Ronaldo doing some uh, some wonder strikes from outside the box. But, you know, Atletico defensively has been just, you know, typical athletic form over the past month, 4.7 expected goals in the last six matches. Um, and, you know, for the season, obviously, there's third among Europe's top five leagues in expected goals allowed. The one thing, though, that has very been very noticeable for United defensively is defending crosses. Atletico in the first leg completed three crosses in the penalty area. Gio Felix scored one of them. Against Man City, they completed four crosses in the penalty area. They scored two of them. Against Tottenham, they technically didn't complete a cross in the penalty area, but that one cross was just a wonderful goal by Harry Maguire. And, you know, United was supposed to be this amazing pressing team under Rangnick. That's why they brought him in. You know, he's the godfather of D-Gen pressing. Against league competition, United only had a 26% pressure success rate against Atletico, only 13% against Manchester City. And then in only 26% again against Tottenham on the weekend, even though they held over 60% possession against Atletico in the first leg, it meant absolutely nothing. So I am totally with you. I actually have Atletico projected as a slight favorite on the road at Old Trafford. So I'm going to go with them plus half a goal at minus minus one thirty. I mean, you can really play Atletico (laughs) any way you want in this one to advance on the money line, just any way possible. Atletico is going through to the quarterfinals.
1: I also look at it this way you're never out of a game against Manchester United with the way their defense is played. Whereas on the other hand, Atletico gets a lead. They are really tough to break down. And it's, it, if it's an early goal for Atleti, they're probably going to score again. Like this, that's, that's the, my thinking here is the um, there's really no way I can picture this game where United are just able to, to shut them down. And I think, Anthony, that's kind of where you're going here, that this game might be a little bit uh, more high event than uh, a typical Atletico Madrid match in stereotypically is.
2: Yeah, I think narrative street here is, oh, you know, Atleti is going to go and they're going to park the bus and they're going to try to play for pens for 120 minutes. Uh, And I think there's like a chance they do that and let United have the ball and then dare them to beat them and try to counterattack. And so the one concern here is that Atleti isn't really going for it, but I do think they can have success in transition here. We saw Tottenham. They had a few moves on Saturday that almost came off, that almost turned into goals where they, they had number situations and they just couldn't quite get the final ball uh, where it was just a little off zone, slipped a couple of times in transition. He just wasn't sharp. Uh, Atleti is the kind of team that can really wreck you in that situation. And it really wasn't like that in the first leg because Atleti did control a lot of the possession at home. So I think as they go now to Old Trafford, I think United will have more of the ball. Uh, But I think really this comes down to game state. And I think you mentioned a good point where if United gets a lead here, and has to come out, they have to be more aggressive. Defending cross has been an issue for United. Defending set-piece has been an issue for United. If you go back to the match just on Saturday as well, it was a cross under the penalty area that led to the handball that led to the first goal. And then Maguire botching the second one, going to the City match. Again, Maguire's man marking wasn't quite good the United fullbacks are, are pretty bad uh, defensively. And I think Luke Shaw, for as much as people have criticized him this year, he's quite underrated generally. And his absence has has made a big difference to <clears throat> how well they're defending at the left-back position. And Dalo especially, you know, Juan Basaka, for as much as we make fun of him going forward, as bad as he is, he is pretty good defensively in one-on-one situations. And I think that's a big key for, for this United defense and why they've been much worse uh, when Dalho's been there, even if they've been better going forward. So I think all this points towards goals. I'm going against the narrative that United that, that, that Atleti is just going to park here. Uh, both teams have scored minus 115. Now you could wait and try to get a better number live, but the concern is that, you know, say it is and they'll it half. That's only going to incentivize Atleti to sit even deeper and, and try to play for penalties, where I do think they have a decided advantage. I know penalties tend to be pretty random but I don't quite think that's the case when you're comparing Oblak and De Gea and you look at their penalty saving records. You know Oblak's been bad this year. That's a potential live betting angle. If United's clearly not looking like they're going to score and the two advanced prices haven't really changed and you can get, you know, plus 110, plus 120 on Atletico going into going into extra time, I think that could be a good bet because I do think they have an edge on pens. Uh, and as games have gone on for United, they have really started to tire out. We saw that in the City match, we saw that uh, you know, in other matches against Southampton and Burnley, especially dating back a few few weeks now. So I, I think this all points towards, you know, going against the narrative and, and, and expecting some goals. Uh, so I, I took some both teams to score minus 115. Again, you could wait live, but there is the risk that if there's an early goal, that you're you're never going to get that price. So that's that's what I did.
1: Yeah, one, one other thing um, I'll suggest before moving on is Atletico is 44 to one to win the entire competition. I, I don't hate that at all. And absolutely. If- and the the thing with this team too is it's, it's the quarterfinal
2: draw is going to be brutal though. I mean, who are they? Who are they? We really never know. Getting?
1: It could. It, who knows? It could. Be, it could end up being Villarreal. It could, be, be, it could end up. It every could team end up left
2: be, is going to be considerably right. better than them.
1: Right, but that I mean, but if the they, price, they, Anthony. Yeah, it's forty-four to one, and let's think about where they were. Let's think about Europe. where they were when they opened. Right. So I I just saying I don't hate that, and we can talk more about draws when they come out. Uh, right now, we have no idea. Who it's going to be. And uh, one other th- one, just one quick other thing, too, is Ronaldo has saved United's bacon so many times. And who, who knows how to play against uh, Cristiano Ronaldo better than uh, Diego Simeone and Atletico Madrid, too. So don't expect them to uh, be found with their pants down when Cristiano Ronaldo is oh, getting through the ball. He,
2: he does have quite the history against them, to be fair. But I, I, don't, I don't read into that much, but, like, it is interesting. And that should help the attack for United and hurt the defense, if anything, yep. uh, with his not, not pressing.
1: All right, uh, let's move on to IX and Benfica. The other Tuesday kickoff, IX is minus 255 on the three-way money line. Benfica plus 650 draw, plus 425. IX is minus 550 to advance, and Benfica is plus 390, despite a 2-2 draw in the first leg in Portugal. Uh, all three of us have IX futures and we've been on this team since before the champions league group stage just started. They were both unlucky and unimpressive in their two, two draw against Benfica, I would say. And it does help. I think a little bit that they were able to play out a high event match in, in that first match, right? Like that, if you get what we saw in the first leg, again, you, you would say that IX deserves to be a big favorite, right? Like two, we're looking at almost four expected goals between the two teams, and that's just not going to suit Benfica. However, uh, I think the market is probably too high on IX here uh, in, in a ninety-minute leg. I think the betting value, from a betting value perspective, is on Benfica. I want to go near IX at this number. Anthony, what about you?
2: Yeah, a lot of CLV down the drain for me in the last leg. Uh, just not sure what ten Hag and ix were doing you know they had a two one lead they were clearly the better side in the first half created two big chances there was a fluke own goal that went against them but the second half i mean the, the fullbacks over and over and over and over again got caught up the pitch and it was just counter-attack after counter-attack after counter-attack everyone looked like they were going to score benfica uh, and then the goal ends up being pretty fluky uh where it's a long hit it's saved, and then there's like a sprint foot race to see you can get the rebound from outside the penalty area, and then it gets tapped in for Benfica. Ajax has shown some concerns now, I think, in, in you know, the, the hole they have in, in defending these counters when the fullbacks get so far up the pitch that they want to play this possession-passing football that they can be exposed, and I think that's a concern now and something we'll have to monitor as we get to the next round because I do think overall Ajax is now at home. They just need to win. I think they will win, but that issue of killing off the game keeps me from backing them in any kind of alt spread type, you know, minus one and a half type deal. Uh, don't really have a ton of interest there. Do think Ajax will win this, but uh, a little bit concerned about Ajax defensively. And I think going forward, they will score. I mean, they, they ripped apart Benfica on multiple occasions in the first half, they hit the post twice. So there was plenty of chances for them to score. They should have made it 3-1. They didn't, and then they paid for it. We've seen that movie before. I'm not worried about Ajax in this leg. I think they go through, but I don't have any action here.
1: All right. Uh, a weird one here on Wednesday between Lille out of League 1. They're plus 320 hosting Chelsea, minus 110. The draw is plus 260. Chelsea is dealing with a just a lot of weird stuff off the pitch with the Roman uh, Abramovich sanctions. Uh, they are flying to... France for this. There was some talk about how they would get there because part of the sanctions is uh, their away travel is limited to 20,000 euros. Uh, they didn't seem, granted, the competition has been against Norwich City and then Newcastle. They didn't seem too distracted, I guess is the best way to put it. Not that you would be able to tell. Uh, in those two matches, they looked good. Um, and it could be that this is a galvanizing moment for the players on the field more than anything. Who knows? It's really hard to work what's going on into a handicap. Uh, so almost not worth um, trying to, however, I will say that as much as I want to back them a little, I just don't think they're built for this kind of game state. They are uh very good defensive side, probably the best defensive side in uh, league. Maybe just behind PSG, but this is just, I mean, they're, they're chasing two goals. They're 15 to one to advance and Chelsea's minus 5,000. I just don't think that this, uh, this game state will suit them. So I'm going to be passing, BJ, anything here?
0: Uh, Ultimately, probably passing might play another under two and a half goals around minus 115. I mean, the first like Chelsea wasn't really actually that dominant. They scored off the corner in the eighth minute, but throughout the whole 90 minutes, they were outshot 15-10 by Lille. Possession was about 50-50. And the expected goals, battle was only 1.2 to to 0.5 in Chelsea's favor. And the biggest problem that I saw that Chelsea had was they – really struggled defending Renato Sanchez up the right wing. I mean, he punished Marco Alonso and Rudiger countless times, five carries into the final third. It's just without Ben Chilwell, they just don't have a wing back that can defend on the left side against uh, a team that actually has a good right, you know, midfielder or winger going forward. For me, I I don't know if this is going to be a galvanizing type situation for Chelsea. I think it's more of just kind of a, a get through it type of match for them. This is their fifth match in two weeks. They're up to nothing on aggregate. Who knows the travel hotel situation. I was doing a little bit of uh, reading on how much it costs to travel away in the premier league, typically with some of these bigger size, it's around 20,000 euros to stay in a luxury hotel, which the players want to stay in because and that, you know, covers their food and everything. But so are they gonna have to stay in hostels in Lille? I don't really know what's going to happen, but you know, with the, the aggregate being to nothing, I really Think that Chelsea will probably just try to end up sitting deep and looking to hit Lil on the counter and go back to the dominant defensive side that we saw under Tuchel last season. Lil, they've been some in somewhat of a rut offensively over the past two months, only averaging around 1.2 expected goals per match in their last 12. What's even more concerning is is during that time they played Marseille, PSG, Lil, and Chelsea, and they're only able to create 3.1 expected goals in those four matches. So given the fact that Chelsea's up two nothing on aggregate and they don't really need to press forward, I I do think there is some value on under two and a half at minus 105. You know, Lil plus half a goal uh, at at minus 110 is potentially has a little bit of value as well. Uh, I just really don't see Chelsea trying to go and and win this
1: match and really trying to go forward. I I really just see them sitting deep and and just trying to see this match through. I think we're all in agreement there. It's, uh, Anthony, you have like 20 seconds to talk about this one. Or are you passing?
2: Yeah, Leo had the same number of shot creating actions, almost the same number of progressive passes, managed nine shots in the first half, came close on a few counters, like BJ mentioned. They were closer than that score line suggests. It's actually kind of similar to the Liverpool Inter for me, where I thought in large stretches, Leo were relatively comparable to Chelsea, and then just couldn't quite, you know, in the key moments, Chelsea was better. They won the match. Uh, Leo has nothing to lose here. They're playing for it. Team total over. Maybe, plus a half, maybe. I think they're, Chelsea's a little inflated. The number has come down. Chelsea opened minus 130. I missed that number. I wish I had gotten it and, and faded them there. Now they're down to minus 110-ish. Uh, not a ton in it for me, but definitely a lean toward Leo and uh, and a, maybe a, a live team total over or, or something uh, if, if that number comes down and Leo looks dangerous.
1: The other Wednesday game is uh, Juventus. They're minus 110 favorites at home hosting Villarreal, the yellow submarine versus the old lady. Via Real is plus 320. The draw here is plus two fifty-five. This one was also one one on aggregate. Juve still is minus two ten to advance. Via Real is plus one sixty-eight. This uh, I kind of look at this one similarly to the United Atletico showdown where there's probably some name brand inflation going on here with Juventus. The early goal, it was it uh Lohovic scored in the first minute or second minute for, for Juventus in the first leg. And then from that point on, I thought that uh, Villarreal were, were, were good. They were impressive. The expected goals bear that out. And uh, Villarreal has been really good defensively lately. They've allowed less than one expected goal in their, each of their last four matches, including the Champions League match against Juventus. So I think uh, a shot on Villarreal on the three, three-way three money line, plus 320 and to advance, plus 168, I think you might be able to find a better number as we get closer to uh, kickoff there. Um, give give me the yellow submarine. I think this is a really tricky spot for a Juventus club that's still just, they're just not on the same level as uh, the true elites this season. So I have no problem trying to take them on here. What about you, BJ?
0: Absolutely, Michael. This is another unbelievably fantastic spot for Villarreal, who is drastically undervalued here against Juventus. Yeah, Juventus scored, what, 30 seconds into the first leg? There, You hit the nail on the head. Remaining 89 minutes and 30 seconds, Villarreal completely dominated them one point. It was 1.1 to expect goals to 0.5. They outshot Juventus. They outtouched them in the penalty area, but the biggest thing and what I, we've been harping on for a while now is you Villarreal, over the past three or four months has been one of the best teams in all of Europe by expected goals since December 10th, the real averaging 1.95 expected goals for per match only allowing 0.93 on the flip side, Juventus over that exact same time span only averaging 1.1 expected goals per match. Allowing 1.05, so they've been really just an average team over the last three months. And the thing about Juventus is, is, you know, their defense really isn't at the elite level that we've seen in years past, especially in Serie A and the Champions League. They're in Serie A, they're ninth in shots allowed per 90, eighth in box entries, and 10th in crosses completed their own penalty area. So I think it's a little crazy that Villarreal is this significant underdogs, especially what we saw in the first leg. I actually have this match projected. Really close to a pick them. So I love Villarreal any way you can get them. Uh, I'll take them plus half a goal at minus 105. But really, to advance on the money line, there's just so much value in Villarreal in the second
1: leg. Yeah, Anthony, I think uh, you're going to make a three-for-three three here.
2: Yeah, you know, we all backed Villarreal on the first leg, uh, and they drew. Uh, and I don't really see anything that happened in that match that makes me change my opinion of either team. So let's go to what's happened since. Uh, Villarreal smashed Espanol 5-1, 3.8 expected goals. They did lose to Osasuna, pretty poor performance there, and they beat Celta Vigo over the weekend. So, overall, not much has changed, in my opinion, of Villarreal since that match either. But Juventus, I mean, I've, I've seen they've been downgraded considerably. They conceded two goals to Empoli. They lost the expected goals battle to Sampdoria. They were marginally better than Spezia. Those are three of the seven worst teams in Serie A. They had a plus 0.9 expected goal difference across those three matches. And the one decent match they played, one decent team they played, Copa Italia semifinals, outshot 22 to six, scored an own goal just before stoppage time to win 1-0 against Fiorentina. This uva team continues to underwhelm in their underlying numbers. I just don't really see what everybody likes about them so much. And I know Blachovic will score again and he'll, he'll ruin me. That guy owns me. Uh, but, you know, he's going to cool off at some point. The performance continues. He's only had two shots in the first match. So think about that. He scored a goal on his first shot in 30 seconds into the match. He took one shot from outside the box. Viral did an excellent job of keeping him in check. Uh, And you you mentioned it, PJ, you you know, how they've been a truck in in Spain. Well, over the course of the entire season, plus 0.61 expected goal difference per 90 in Spain versus plus 0.38 expected goal difference in Italy. It's not that easy, but Spain's a better league. They have better performances in that league. And Villarreal's pressed well. So I think they'll be very comfortable playing on the counter here. You basically have to go win it. Pressure's on them. They're the favorite. I'm going with the underdogs as well. So I think they get this in extra time at worst. Might even win it.
1: We're all on the Yellow Submarine. They've slowly become a team of the podcast, so no surprise there. And uh, we'll start the Premier League portion. There are one, two, three games in the midweek with a former team of the podcast. That's Brighton Hope Albion. They're plus 220 against Anthony Spurs, plus 130 on the road. The draw here is plus 245. This is the first kickoff on Wednesday, uh, the 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kick before the headliner, which we'll get to next. Uh, the Seagulls, they're in bad form. Tottenham, roller coaster. This is a uh, this is kind of a weird matchup. I can't get a read on either of these two teams at the moment right now. I think I would lean uh, towards Tottenham at the current price, but I'll likely be passing because I think Spurs deserved a little bit better from what we saw at Old Trafford uh, today. Anthony, what about you?
2: Yeah, I lean toward the over. Two and a half goals plus 110 Spurs overs. You know, they've been, they've been loot. Bet regret of the year probably was, uh, I was actually looking at the over in the United Spurs game. was like, okay, I'm going to give it like 15 minutes, then hop in live. I said, all right, we're hopping in live. Went onto the sports book to bet it. Of course, there's a little bit of a delay. Then the, the bet locked and it read Man United 1, Spurs nil. I looked up, Ronaldo hit a hit a banger into the top corner, and I was like, well, I guess we're not betting the United Spurs over. So uh, my opinion of either team is simple. Spurs have actually had a good amount of success against Brighton going forward. They played in the FA Cup not that long ago uh, in January, and Spurs created a ton of chances in that match. They were really able to break through Brighton. When you press and you try to come out and play Tottenham, the space gets opened up in behind, and that's when Spurs are at their best. Someone asked Frank Lampard how he feels about that after Monday's debacle, and you can even go back to the city match, same thing, uh, and Leeds when Spurs scored four goals. I think that's a matchup thing where, where Spurs are just very good at that. And the defense continues to have issues with crosses, and that's a Brighton thing. They love those cutbacks. They love those crosses when they're able to get them. So I think that, that you, know, you even throw in the regression indicators. Spurs have certainly heated up offensively as we said they would Brighton have not they're a little bit on the Spurs path and they've been missing all their chances of late hasn't been the case all year but it's been the case of late so i think the you know the indicators all point toward the over here and that's where i would i would look two and a half plus
1: 110 uh bJ you have a, a, a slight lean i guess towards towards your seagulls here I, I do think anthony bring up a good point like there's there's a way to play against Spurs and there's a way to not play against Spurs and Brighton only know how to play one way, it seems. So that it does give you a little bit of trepidation here. Uh, but BJ, you're not that scared.
0: No, I mean, I, I the numbers got to get there for me. Like I have Tottenham projected around plus 150. Um, so you, you could say a little bit of value on Brighton, but I'm going to need some big time Tottenham team to play Brighton here plus half a goal. It probably has got to be about a minus 115, my, minus 120 or better. I just, Brighton, I don't. Really think they're this bad. You know, they've obviously the underlying performances have been bad over the last five matches. And you know, when you go through those, you're like, okay, United, they got a red card, even though they were a the better team for you know the first half. Then they go and play Burnley. Burnley just scores three off of three low quality chances, beats them three-nothing. Pretty poor performance against Aston Villa, pretty much dominated the match against Newcastle and everything, except gave a few big chances. And then against Liverpool this past weekend, you know, they got dominated. So uh, just really bad performances from them, but I don't. I just think we've reached the bottom of the barrel on them. But market has clearly not reacted that way. I was kind of hoping thinking Tottenham was going to be, you know, minus one ten, minus one fifteen, especially with this meaning a ton to them in the race for not only the top four but the top six right now. Uh, while Brighton is pretty, you know, they're thirteenth, but they're pretty comfortably in the mid table. But I just don't really think Brighton can get this much worse. But again, they have City on deck. Uh, so it could get much worse for the Seagulls, and they could dip down to 14th or 15th place. But again, the numbers got to get there for me. It's got to be Brighton plus half a goal at, at minus 120 or better. If it gets there, I'll probably end up playing it. But other than that, I'll probably be passing.
1: All right. Uh, perhaps the biggest uh, midweek match that we've seen all year. Wednesday afternoon, 4:15 p.m. Eastern. Arsenal plus 340 hosting Liverpool minus 130. The draw here is three to one. Man City is still minus 330 uh, odds on to win the Premier League. Liverpool's shortened to plus 250. City plays Crystal Palace on Monday. We're recording this before that, so that could change a little bit uh, should that result go one way or the other. This is a tricky spot, though, I think, for Liverpool going on the road. Uh, like you were talking about with Chelsea, and we've, we've said it a couple times already with Liverpool, they have been playing a ton of soccer across a ton of different competitions. That hasn't really slowed down here, I, and won't. And Arsenal, their schedule kind of just opened up for them over <laughs> February. Somehow, they I feel like they were playing once every couple couple weeks, and uh, so they will definitely be fresher. However, uh, their fatal flaws I think are right for Liverpool to pick off, which is a defense that's still leaking. They are creating uh, scoring chances, and they are scoring. Arsenal is, and Liverpool, as we've talked about, is once again due for some more defensive regression, and I think. That is going to give me enough to be on the Gunners here at home uh, at, a, at a decent number. Uh, before BJ goes on his soliloquy, uh, Anthony, what do you have here?
2: I have a, a very interesting, uh, you know, match that I want to watch and a match that I'm very interested to learn more about. I think we know what Liverpool is at this point. I think we have a very clear read on them. And, it, you know, Arsenal had an interesting strategic approach on New Year's Day when they played against City that was very different from what they had done in the past when they played big six teams, most notably the big three, Chelsea, Liverpool city, where they had been very, very poor since Arteta took over. It was a, really an ongoing issue. They would get completely cooked. Well, they went out and they put a lot of pressures on the pitch and they ran and they ran and they ran and they played really well. And they were the better side for the first hour until the red card and BJ still mad about it. I'll be mad about it. Five years from now, you'll see BJ on the street. I'll say, I remember that time they gave us a bad red card against City. Uh, but I think if they come out with that same approach, it go two ways. One, they get completely destroyed. And I think there's a very real chance that Liverpool goes to the Emirates and just runs them. But I also think there's a real chance that we've talked about it. This Liverpool defense that has shown some holes and has shown to have some issues can get exposed a little bit in transition. And I think Arsenal... Could cause some problems there. Those all that all points to the over as well. The numbers right for me on the total. So I'm passing on this match. If you want to chase a money line or an alt line on Liverpool, I don't hate it. I think this game has a lot. The air bars on this game are pretty wide, in my opinion. Uh, and so overall, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna be watching. Very excited for it. I think it's gonna be a great match, but not not reading too much into it.
1: My so, ultra specific position here is that somebody will be getting a, a very controversial penalty and some, the other fan base will just be freaking out because these two fan bases uh, more than any, maybe in all of sports outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, think that the officiating is out to get them and it couldn't be further from the truth. BJ uh, do you have the intestinal fortitude to get down on your gunners here?
0: No, is it, from the price standpoint, I actually think there's a little bit of value on Liverpool uh, but that being said, I'm very, very excited to watch this match. Arsenal is the hottest team in the Premier League right now. One-four straight, eight of their last ten, and since December 11th, when the Arsenal run started, with a 3 no win against Southampton, the Gunners are averaging 2.3 expected goals per match. That's an elite-level offense. Now, normally, like you mentioned, the narrative around Arsenal is they play very well against everyone else, and then when they go play Liverpool, City, and Chelsea, they just can't compete and they get smashed. Well, Anthony already mentioned it, but they pressed City a lot in that first half, and they were the better side for 60 minutes. And that, I think, is going to flip the narrative on Arsenal against a lot of these better sides. From a Liverpool standpoint, they have to be just exhausted coming into this match. This is their sixth match in 17 days. I understand they're all healthy, and they have options to rotate their squad, but they also don't at the same time because there's considerably deep in three different competitions. So Anthony mentioned Liverpool defensively has been good as of late, if you look at their expected goals, but against top seven sides, they haven't really been that dominant Uh, against top seven teams around 1.4 expected goals allowed per match against the rest of the premier league 0.79 expected goals allowed per match. Also the status of Mo Salah is up in the air right now. He's questionable at the time of taping this, but the reality is now that Liverpool has Luis Diaz, they have plenty of depth in their front three, where I don't think the loss of Salah is completely detrimental to their offense and really affects playing something like an over or, or Liverpool in this one. So I actually love the over in this spot. I mean, Liverpool's offense, it's getting up there with Byron right now. Uh, they've created over 70 expected goals this season, which is over 2.5 per match averaging almost 20 shots a match and have created 74 big scoring chances this season. So uh, I have around 3.5 goals projected. So over three goals at plus 110 is good enough for me uh, on the over. But again, very, very excited for like the first time in, I gosh, it's maybe been like seven or eight years with Arsenal where I literally am excited to sit down and watch this team because they are so much fun to watch. And I really hope Erling Holland changes his mind about going to City and comes to Arsenal. You
2: know, it's funny, BJ doing that fan thing there, that makes me want to sell high so badly on Arsenal now
0: stop no nope. it really does nope. it really does nope.
2: because look and i know that like we do this all the time with arteta and like we were getting amped up for the big game against liverpool last time because arsenal were on a really good run I no
0: i wasn't and, okay and they lost if, four 0. We you weren't tape, but people were people cautious. were
2: you were but arsenal fans are very prevalent on my twitter and they definitely were pretty amped up and confident about that one and i think it is important to note they did play twice in january Liverpool were clearly the better side in the first leg. It was a somewhat rotated squad. There was a lot of COVID
0: things going on.
2: I believe there was one COVID case that Arsenal had, and it caused them to cancel a certain match. But, um, yeah, I I think Liverpool were the better side in those matches, both home and away. So I'm thinking maybe I'll sell high on on Arsenal here. But, again, Liverpool have also won every match they've played for the last month, except for the Inter loss, which was still a win in aggregate. So uh, I, I don't have a strong opinion here on on uh, the side but i do think the error bars are wide
1: all right uh championship bound everton are plus 135 hosting newcastle plus 220 Uh, the draw is plus 235 when you look at the everton squad it doesn't look near like it's it's there are too many good players on this team to go down that is the narrative surrounding them until you get to the back four uh and when you get to the back four you say oh well that is actually championship defense and if you have a championship level defense uh, that can totally undo uh, any club, including one that has a pedestrian uh, rest of the lineup. Still, I mean, I think you guys would both say to me here that the betting value from a numbers perspective is on Everton, but I think that there's more that goes into this right now with this club. Like it's, if you, you watch the Wolves game today, you watch the team that was just a shell of itself, especially when they went down one nil, any bit of adversity that this side faces, they seem to wilt and they're, tactics against Wolves I should say too were just a, a a mess five in the back trying to play it out of the back uh, down a man it was just not a not a great one from from Frank Lampard though the players outside of Anthony Gordon and uh, Richarlison didn't really do much uh, either all this is to say that I'll probably be betting on Everton at one plus 135 at home against Newcastle this is a clear you know numbers play but I do want to see the lineup I think you going John Joe Kenny uh, addition by subscri- subtraction got picked up a red card so he won't be available hopefully that means nathan patterson who uh you know is a bright prospect from rangers comes in and breathes some life into a back line that needs it <laughs> it's to say i'm really sad uh this everton team like, i got they they have there's a clear path out of relegation for them and it's get wins against Burnley, Brentford, Newcastle and Watford. Get like 3 out of those 4 wins. And it you might as well call those clubs Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man City and Bayern Munich with the way this team's playing. Um that being said, Newcastle, let's just talk about them for a second. Uh they're 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 having trouble creating offense uh coming in. So hopefully that plays into Everton's hands with their terrible defense. Only 1.06 expected goals for in their last two matches uh for Newcastle. This match also by the way has the same odds basically as what we saw for Everton and Wolves on Sunday. So I'm a little surprised there too. Um, all right. I should stop BJ Everton in, in Newcastle.
0: Yeah. Very happy to pass here. Uh, I would say that from a season long projection standpoint that Everton would have a little bit of value, but my sentiment on Newcastle has, has turned uh, even with the, the loss to Chelsea today, they were actually weren't that bad. Uh, I mean, Eddie Howe has somehow gotten this defense to actually play really well. I mean, they haven't allowed over 1.3 expected goals since December 19th. That's <laughs> that's a big time improvement from what we saw in the beginning of the season. Uh, Everton, Michael, look, they're not going down. Okay, they have a game in hand on Burnley. That's okay. It doesn't they're matter. Not they have down. a game in
1: hand. They have to play Burnley too. At Burnley, the, the, the difference between ever like ever. All right, let me just look at the. I'll read the odds to you. Right, Norwich City, they're going down. They're minus 100. Uh, they're minus like ten thousand. Watford minus 650, Burnley minus 135, Leeds plus 175, Everton's two to
2: one. Um, I like Leeds a lot more than I like Everton. I had this debate with somebody yesterday. And do you like I, I think, to I, I think I think Leeds to go down? I think Leeds is better than Everton. Yeah,
1: yeah. me too. I think so as well. I'm, yeah. I'm, and, and I think that if you you can argue that it's almost a coin flip between Burnley and Everton because Burnley is set up to play in this kind of situation where you're just collecting points and it doesn't matter how you play. Everton is not like that. So this is – it's – I, I mean. Also,
2: I'm looking at the Burnley schedule now. I mean, they have City, City, and Spurs City left.
1: Yeah, City, Spurs, Everton, West Everton Ham, have Chelsea, Wolves, United, Arsenal, two against Leicester. I mean, it's it, Trust me, I've looked at all this stuff. I'm telling you that if you, if, from a pure betting perspective, if you gave me these four teams, first of all, I, one of the first bets I would make would be Watford to stay up because for Hodgson, has this team playing in a, in, a, in a way that's conducive to staying up. Their amount of games played is a little concerning, but they they still play Everton and they're playing them at home and i i don't i wouldn't put it past uh, Watford catching them like i have zero confidence in uh, Everton to stay up at this point um it's 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 wholly depressing but yeah. you you're saying that they're they're not getting relegated i think that no they're not getting relegated i think i think it's 50-50 honestly no
0: it's see i understand you're an Everton fan and you're overreacting to this but a one point lead on burnley with a game in hand on them they're fine all but right they have, they have way more other. talent than burnley it doesn't matter. matter. It does matter. more talent than them. Yeah, but if Burn, has, you were, has a if you were the trying to, together, It'll be fine. Like, they're if it, you, if were truly...
2: If awful, awful managerial... You know, most, we talked about the new manager bump. They've lost five of six under Lampard. Yeah. And the only win was against Leeds.
1: One, of those, losses just City, fired their one of those losses against City was a very good performance. Which That's I mean, what's baffling about this, right? It's like they played so well against City, playing a 4-3-3 at home. Did well in the midfield, and then today he goes with a uh, a two-man midfield and five in the back against Wolves, who, uh, by the way, Wolves, they were at the, totally at the races. They were really good. Uh, Bruno Lodge. i uh,
2: should, should be noted, better XG difference this year. Who do you think has a better XG difference, Everton or Wolves?
0: It's got to be Everton. Right, Bulls. Everton. It's
2: Everton.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, they, they, they had
1: a good start to the season. They had a legitimately good start to the season where they were – putting up good underlying metrics and the results were lagging. And then all of a sudden, do you know how many wins they've had? They've had uh, in their last 19 premier league.
2: I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's one, two, it's two. Oh, the arsenal match. And then the lead match. Yeah.
1: Right. Two, two wins. And guess how many draws? I'm going to go with two, Two. three, two. They've gotten points in four out of 19 matches in, in the premier league. That's bad. I mean, that's, that's relegation for So. Well, they're still in the FA cup.
2: All right, um, I'm I'm here for Everton winning the FA Cup playing yeah. in Europe also Roberto, Roberto Martinez being uh, with the, with, two to one favorites to win the
0: championship.
1: Yeah,
2: if they go down, if they lose this. Sunderland if they lose this style. match and then lose to Watford, is, is is Lampard fired?
1: I mean, I don't know. It's a great. Yeah. question. I think you have to consider it. Th- I think so, I think so too. If you're, I don't know. Anyways, um,
0: well, if Michael, the, if they if they go down, you and me can do a championship podcast
2: every week. Yeah, yeah. I'll come on and. and and bet my uh, oh, I guess Bournemouth's coming up, so I guess I yeah. can't really do that. Yeah, I'm a QPR guy. Block we'll we'll some loot I'm a QPR town
1: All right, before, before Coventry City, rest, I'm going to move us on. Uh, Europa League, real quick, one minute each. Bj, uh, what do you have for us in Europa League?
0: Well, I know me and uh, Anthony are on the same side, and Leon Porta, so I'll let him take that one. But Red Star Belgrade Rangers, uh, I love over two and a half goals at minus one twenty-five. Rangers won the first leg three nothing. Pretty fraudulent scoreline. They scored one of their goals off a of penalty. Red Star, Belgrade missed a penalty. So the final non-penalty expected goal line was 0.9 for Rangers and 0.14 for Red Star. And the thing is, is that Red Star, they were due to over-concede goals in the Europa League. During the group stage, they allowed four goals off of 7.3 expected goals. And they're also one of the more prolific offenses outside the top 10 leagues in Europe, and especially in the Europa League year in and year out. In the Serbian Super League this year, they're averaging a whopping 2.56 expected goals per match. That's over pretty much a full season because there's only four matches left domestically for them. So it's kind of insane. I don't care what league you're in to maintain that for an entire season, especially considering Serbia's 11th most difficult by UEFA coefficients. Rangers, I spoke about this when they were playing Dortmund in the second leg. They're just not the type of team that's going to sit back and defend for 90 minutes to see out uh, a tie. You saw it against Dortmund. They they sat back a little bit. But they were ready to just pounce on the counter every single time they got. And that's why you saw 8.2 expected goals created in Two matches against Dortmund, so I have 3.4 goals projected for this match. So, uh, at over two and a half goals at minus 125, I think there's tremendous value there, Anthony.
2: Uh, Europa League, yeah. Rail, uh, Rail, Betis fade went well last week. This time, I'm going to the under three goals at minus 120. Frankfurt overperforming offensively quite a bit now in Germany. They had a good win today against Bochum, but overall, they were a little bit fortunate to win that match in in overall when you look at the expected goals in that match and bet again just keep fading them because i i really think this team is playing way over their heads way over their talent level and i'm just not liking much what i see from them they did have a 1-0 win at uh, at home against bilbao but again expected goals were were pretty comparable and and they really weren't any better than bilbao was over those 90 minutes so they're on the fade list. They're atop the fade list. And I'm, I'm going to play against both attacks here because I think Frankfurt may be a little more conservative and try to uh, see out this victory at home. Leon is going to be on, on betis to go, you know, try to get back into this. And I don't really think this attack is good enough to do that. So I'm playing the under three. And then BJ mentioned it. We're both in agreement on this one. Leon and Porto. Leon deserved their win on the road, really. They were the better side. Shots were pretty even. Possession was pretty even. But they created the higher quality chances. But this Leon team... They've added some pieces in the midfield I like. One specific one is and Dombélé. but overall in France this year just has not been at the level that we typically see from them. They're going at home here. They don't even need the win, which I think has to factor in to your handicap here. If they're tied late, again, this is the spot I like in these aggregate matches, Porto will be the one pushing for the goal, not necessarily Lyon. So that's kind of baked into the fact that uh, if, if it's tied, you, Porto will be ahead and be pushing for the goal. They'll be the more aggressive side. So with that little draw protection baked in, I like Porto plus a half at plus 105.
1: All right, uh, let's move on to our favorite bets for the Champions League. Uh, the last slate of fixtures before we get to the quarterfinals. Moving along here briskly. Uh, BJ, we'll start with you.
0: Yeah, Atletico Madrid plus half a goal at minus minus one thirty. Atletico was super unlucky in that first leg to draw with Manchester United. They beat them on expected goals, 1.3 to 0.4. They outtouched them in the penalty area, 21 to nine. And Atletico even hit the cross, hit the woodwork twice. So going to Old Trafford, playing a Manchester United team that hasn't really changed that much from Ole and Solskjaer to Ralph Ragnar when they have to play elite competition against Manchester City in the first leg against Atletico, and then against the Tottenham on Sunday. Those three games combined, they've created 1.9 expected goals but have scored four. So they're due for a little bit of negative regression. And also United, the troubling areas for them defensively, they had troublesome, you know, troubles defensively all season long. But the one area specifically over the last week or couple weeks or so is defending crosses against Atletico in the first leg. They allowed them to complete three crosses in the penalty area. Gio Felix scored one. Against Manchester City, they completed four crosses in the penalty area, scored twice. And against Tottenham this past weekend, Tottenham completed one cross and it was known goal by Harry Maguire. So having to defend an Atletico team that plays in a 4-4-2 with a lot of their offensive production coming down the wing, swinging and crosses, it's very troublesome for United. And also United just is not the pressing team that we thought they were going to be under Ralph Ragnan, even though they were able to hold over 60% possession in the first leg. It really didn't meant nothing. So I have this match projected pretty close to pick them. I actually have Atletico projected as a slight favorite. So I love them plus half a goal at minus 130 at Old Trafford.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm on the same side as you for my favorite bet. I like Atleti, plus 140 to advance. Uh, I'm, I think you could take them across the board, three-way money line to advance. And I also like them as a live bet if they go down. We spoke about it earlier in the show. Uh, Manchester United is a team that if they go up a goal the game is still live. On the other hand, Atletico Madrid are experts at shutting games down. So if they go up a goal, I don't really like United's chances to claw their way back in what should be a absolute rock fight against uh, Diego Simeone's side. United they've really struggled against good teams. Minus three point four expected goal differential uh, against Atleti, Spurs, and City. And meanwhile, Simeone's side man, they're they're looking vintage. 4.7 expected goals allowed in their last six matches. So I think you're getting a really good number here on a team that I don't think uh, there's really all that much separating these two sides, even with United playing at Old Trafford. So I'll take the underdogs here Atletico Madrid plus 140 to advance to the quarterfinals. Anthony, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm going Villarreal plus a half at minus 110 against Juventus. Villarreal was the better team for 89 minutes and 30 seconds of the first leg. My opinion of either team, didn't really change much from that leg. I had Virial, uh, John bet in the first leg. I will be betting them again in this second leg. Since that game, Juventus has had four performances, three of them against set the three of the seven worst teams in A: Sampdoria, Spezia, Empoli. They struggled defensively in all of those matches, conceded over one expected goal. And their expected goal difference across those three matches was pretty mediocre. They also struggled in the cup against Fiorentina. This attack is not what it should be given the acquisition of Dusan Vlahovic, he had a great goal in the first leg, but only managed two shots, and he's just not quite getting the production that you'd expect them to get in this attack. They're not really, you know, beating teams the way you'd expect. Uh, and Villarreal continues to be an absolute truck. They have the best expected goal difference numbers in Spain since December, and over the course of the season, they've been better in Spain than Juventus has been in italy so i'm rolling with the yellow submarine to get this at least an extra time and maybe even win it
1: and that should do it for another episode of wonder goal we will be back with you guys on thursday morning until then best of luck with your champions league and premier league bets